Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Roderick Morrow is sitting in with us for the first hour. And joining us is an award-winning, amazing, an amazing actress. She's also an artist. We're going to talk about her art as well. Let me welcome the great CCH Pounder. Hey. Thank you so much. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Thanks. It's been a while. When was the last yeah. time I spoke with you? Last time you, you, we were in the studio. So it was before COVID. We were in a studio that oh. was not the studio that they built out for me. So that was like two years before that. So it's been maybe a good five BC. years. Maybe. Yeah. So why? BC. So before COVID is an amazing thing these days. Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> how, how are you? How are you holding? So I was, I was spending a day watching the, the latest um, Avatar just, just to see you in it. Right. I think you're. And did you nod? Did you, yeah, did I was you like, nod? I blinked. I was like, was that CC? But yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking a couple of things. Um, a woman who grew up on a sugar plantation, yeah, in in a colonized uh, uh, country of yes. Guyana, to play in a movie because you were in the first one that is about people, great, amazing humans, or uh, not humans, beings who you know have agency somebody else wants to come and take their stuff and it seems to be the story over and over they just want to fight and kill and destroy all of the beauty because they don't value it and i just think about the world that we're in right now where we don't even understand the interconnected like we're talking off mic about the smoke in canada that affected my air yesterday i was like i couldn't breathe outside something that happened way up there miles thousands of miles away and i just think about how we don't see how we're really all connected and it's sad i'm amazed because every single film i've done in the last in during the covid time has been about the interconnectedness of human beings and we just don't get it and it's amazing how i kept saying yes to this and i i would look at the script and kind of going this is kind of the same story this is yet another story from a different angle, but it it's hopefully going to be those stories until I, I croak because right now I just feel the need to push stories that somehow we as humans recognize our sameness as opposed to our constant difference and why we bicker and stab each other about it. We, we were also talking off mic about, um, Higher Ground, the Obama's uh, production company that produced Rustin, which is the story Rustin. of Bayard Rustin, or what would you say, Bayard? Bayard? Yeah, a lot of people say Bayard. Bayard. Rustin, yeah. All right, B A Y A R D. However, wherever you come from, whatever yeah. them syllables mean like in your mouth. Bay or <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Coleman Domingo, Adrian Warren. I mean, the cast is ridiculous. Divine Joy, Randolph Child. This this is like going to be phenomenal on Netflix. I was just thinking about, you know, you making the choice, having the agency to make the choices. Right now there's a strike, writer's strike. Right. Um, we were talking yesterday with Tanya Pinkins about Tyler Perry and how he's not affected by it. And I just think about, you know, to do the thing that you love, to have to feed your family and yourself, to make choices sometimes that you wouldn't want to make and maybe have to work somewhere that you don't want to work, to be at the place that you are right now. Where is that, CCH Pounder? I think that affects almost every actor that I know because a great many of the things that come across your way is it's not particularly, it's not Shakespeare. It's not, you know, it's not like the creme de la creme, but 
you can literally take something that looks sort of mediocre and say to yourself, how can I make this better? And by assuming that it can grow from point A to point B simply by the talent you've accrued over the years, it can make mediocrity kind of shine. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work all the time. It's no fun when somebody says, the film was awful, but you were amazing in it. I don't care about that. But um, if we, we don't have a lot of choices in terms of, especially in the beginning, in terms of how we get work. So you take the work and you turn blank into Shinola every time you can. <laughs> how long did it take for you to get here where you just are doing Shinola? I would say about 32, 35 years for me. I'm, I may have been slower because um, there are a lot of us that kind of repeat the same type of role over and over again. And I got very panicky in the beginning. I played these fabulous hookers and women who sold their babies for crack. And, you know, they were the lowliest of the low and constantly being beaten up, constantly being snotty nosed. And I passed a kid and his father one day and the guy said, oh my God, that's that lady. That's that lady. It was, uh, it was like about Miami Vice or something like that. And he, I remember the father just pulled the kid just a little bit closer to him. And he said, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of like that. Mm. And I realized that my fabulous, um, my fabulous acting job in the particular role that I did had now translated to, it's not just that lady, but it's all of them. And wow. I realized that I had to be an activist in my work because I wasn't really free to be an actor. Mm. And that's that's sad, but at the same time, you've got to kind of grab the bull by the horns and kind of go, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do this now. And that became, in the beginning, narrowing because it was like, I'm only going to play like doctor, lawyer, judge, doctor, lawyer, judge. And it was like... Oh, my poor little actor in me was going, okay, why can't I just be wicked? Why can't I be nasty? Why can't I be sweet and sexy? All of these things that a that character you are. is basically allowed to be, but it, you know, gets very difficult in the American um, uh, makeup of film and television. So I so just- what was, what was your like favorite role that, you know, after- after you were like, listen, I'm not going to be typecast as this, that, or the other. What was your favorite, you know, whether movie role or TV role? I've had a couple. I've had a couple of movie roles that were really sort of um, like a like a quick moment that I took that role and I went into uh, television with it and expanded it. And uh, definitely The Shield. Yes. I, I had done that role in a movie called Sliver. With yes. uh, Sharon Stone and uh, Billy Baldwin and Billy or Stephen, Stephen Baldwin. And um, it was like just a little kernel of something that I went, wow, if I could really, you know, get my my meaty hands part on this role and really kind of expand her, this would be great. And therefore, Claudette was born in the shield. Oh man, I love that role. By the way, Thank that's you. one of my favorite uh, 
that series really feels like a very foretelling of just where America is. Mm. Scary. <laughs> that is scary. Yeah. Facts. I loved you in Sons of Anarchy as well. Uh, if we're going to do TV. Yes. So, the Sons of Anarchy, bro, I, there was, a, there was a, a, a scene that I loved that stepped out of, you know, because I didn't want to do Sons of Anarchy, I'll be honest. And they just sort of strong armed me like, Cece, you got to do it, you got to do it. And so D.A. Patterson has a moment when she goes into the bathroom and she's been fighting these people and it's not going anywhere. And she decides to take her gloves off and she she goes to the bathroom and she snatches oh, her. Yes, yes. And she says, time to get hood, sister. Yeah. <laughs> she is like, she walks out of there with a whole new demeanor and there's nobody in the hallway, but it's as if there were a thousand people in the hallway going, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, so I had a great time with that. That uh, I remember that scene because um, uh, one of uh, a friend of mine, we always say this one line to each other from that, from uh, the one of the episodes where uh, they see that she's got the wig off and the, and the brother turns to the other dude and goes sister be kicking it with the real flow <laughs> I, was like, I was like yeah she took the wig off they, they in trouble now <laughs> what's it like from an avatar like did you have to do the whole like thing on your face that i, I always did. see in the behind the scenes i did and um just getting back to avatar for a minute karen the, it's the the idea that um I was there in a blink and I got this fantastic credit and I thought, Ooh, and then it was like, did you see me? It was gone. And I realized that they had to introduce so many of those kids that by the time it came to the old folks back at home mm -hmm. tree, there wasn't much time, but mm -hmm. you know, I've also done avatar three and avatar four. So oh, wait, wait, come on, throw with the, come on checks. Oh. Come on <laughs> checks. Yes. I'll be around for a yes. little bit. <laughs> I love it. Well, it took 20 years. By the time the second Avatar came, I ain't care anymore. I remember my first experience, I actually went with the 3D or whatever it was. It was like yes. new technology. There was nobody in the theater. I went like Christmas morning with a couple of friends. And I'm sitting there. I just beat somebody in Scrabble. And we went to see Avatar. And it was one of the most incredible. I remember sitting there grabbing at the little things. Yes. And it was just so beautiful. It was amazing. And this one did just as well i think the avatar is like the avatar Titan. Grossing movie yeah. of all time so yeah. clearly everybody was like all right um which well, it like had to be at least the fourth highest grossing to make money and of course james cameron said i got y'all don't worry about that it but the, the irony is, is that he's beating himself you yes know? Yeah, he's the man. Okay, yeah, listen, I I'm a James Cameron truther. I'm an Avatar truther. Yeah, I Titanic love those movies. I go to the theater to see them. Okay, yeah. I need to see the 3D, the IMAX. I want to live in that world. They they really yeah. like make, created something from scratch. Like, we don't have a lot of that happening anymore. Everything I've never seen imagination such as this. Um, wait, it, it's like, wait till you see the next one. And oh, the next one. Because I will. It, it's... It's an arc that wasn't like, oh, that did so great. Let's let's do another one. It's this is the story. Mm. If we get to this part, we're doing great. If they let us go this far, we're doing great. And that's wow. really um, the the secret of it is that it's not based on numbers. It's based on a story idea that he wants to put out there to the world. And the whole thing is written. 
Mm. You gotta, you gotta love those kind of people, you know, those, those folk, those visionaries, because we have very few of them and this AI is going to destroy the rest. Those, anybody that might, but but that's why I love sitting (laughs) with you. People like you, Roderick Morrow is here, CCH Pounder, the great CCH Pounder, because you create something out of nothing and you also understand art at a, you know, at a tertiary level. So you now have an art uh, exhibit featuring pieces from your collection, the diaspora stories, which also, which is why I brought the sugarcane farm in because I'm imagining there's some, some hearkening back to that. Tell us about it. All of those things. I, I don't want to leave out my uh, late husband, Bubakar, because if it weren't for him, really, I would not have gone on such a huge art journey. I had like a, my own private collection. And when I married him uh, within a year, he said, you know, I need to have a museum. And I was like, oh, mm. sure. Okay, let's go build one of those, brother. <laughs> and um, when we did the math, uh, his interest was in traditional African arts. And I said, you know, you actually, we can't afford to do it. We can't afford it because we don't know how to do the testing. We don't know what's false or what's real. Um, even though it's your eye and your profession, once it gets slick, you know, it's going to go right over our heads. What we can do is start a collection of contemporary African art. We're right at it. It was the 1990s, late 80s, 90s. And um, we started, we built a museum and we opened up with what I would honestly say were 34 really good pieces. And then the rest was like, can we just hang something on the wall? Mm. And over the 25 years that we had it, um, it became known as one of the little gems in Senegal, West Africa. If you like, if you're going to Africa, you're going to be on the West. See the Musée Boribana. So that was the beginnings of now this voracious collector. That's me. And um, what's happened? That's amazing, Karen. Is that when we started, no one was interested in diasporic art in numbers. Now people are calling like, Cece, who are you collecting? What have you got in your collection? And these are from institutions that are checking in with you because now it is a stone rolling down the hill. And if you hadn't collected in the beginning, now everybody's trying to get on that roll and be part of it because now they realize that they were missing out on the most amazing artists that had been previously ignored and very few people were collecting them except within our community and a few scattered around the world um, from every um, uh, race. But but now it's part of everyone's mainstream, China, Japan, every fair, there is an African presence um, and when I say an African presence, I mean the diaspora, I mean mm-hmm. the Caribbeans, I mean African-Americans, Africa. And my great luck was that I loved collecting for so long. And I'm even specific. So there's room for plenty of other people because I fell in love with female portraiture. I guess I wanted to see myself, the ego, over and over again. There's another one. There's one. I see it right behind you. That's (laughs) gorgeous. Yeah, beautiful pieces. And um, my husband one day said, you know, okay, look, I'm married to one woman. Who are all these women on our wall? (laughs) What is this? And so I said, oh, perhaps I should diversify. And so just by that comment, 
it allowed me to kind of take a look at other things. And so I started collecting the male image. I started collecting landscapes and I avoided at all costs abstract. And then there was an abstract artist, Carl Hazelwood from my country, Guyana. And I said, okay, let me learn a little bit about abstract art by African diasporic people. And so it started. And so this sort of even sort of looking now at conceptual art, um, which is really tough for me to take because I, I'm kind of like a, a show me state, you know, make it plain. And uh, concepts are a little ethereal, a little intellectual, not my favorite place to be, but um, the intellectuals have to exist as well. But I always say, you know, my husband was an intellectual. He solved the world with a beer at the end of a bar. And I was the one who got all the practical stuff done. Yes. So. <laughs> I mean, but it worked 40 years. You know? will, you, will you come back? I would love to sit with you to talk about Bubakar, Bubakar Cone. Oh, yeah. He was a and, really unusual creature. Yeah. Yes. Will you come really? back just to, just to talk, just to celebrate him? Just Can to talk about Yeah, okay. absolutely. In the meantime, July 16th is the last date that people have to go in Chicago to see this collection. Is that correct? It's July That's 16th? That's correct. And then where's it going from there? Afterwards, it's going to morph into something slightly different. It will be at the Wright Museum in Detroit in 2024. And um, it will be called um, Icons is the original name for it. And they, they want to change it up also because they want to add um, other images as well that I have in my collection. So everybody's getting very excited about how vast the collection is and how many other themes that can work for their constituents. So I'm really happy about that. So right. Detroit. Detroit, but right are. now, Chicago DeSable Black History Museum and Education yeah. Center. Go see that now through July 16th. CCH Pounder Cone, Mrs. Cone, thank you for being here today. I appreciate you. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.